0: Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer.
1: Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer, host of The Chemical Show. This week, I'm delighted to be speaking with Laura Schwinn, Laura is the president of the Specialty Catalyst business at WR Grace. She's been there since 2018. Prior to that, Laura's had a very successful career in the oil field services business predominantly and a number of leading organizations. I'm delighted to have Laura share with you her business at Grace, her ideas on leadership, and more.
2: Laura, welcome to the show. Victoria, thank you so much for inviting me and congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: So, First things first, the most exciting news of the day we're not going to be able to talk about, which is Grace recently entered an agreement to be acquired by Standard Industries. As the deal is not yet closed, we're not going to talk about that. So for everybody that's disappointed, stay tuned. In a few months, we'll have Laura back, and maybe she can share some insights at that point in time. Thank you, Victoria. Absolutely. In the meantime, let's talk about Grace. It is a 100-plus-year-old company that has been through a number of transformations over that history. How would you describe Grace today?
2: Grace is a focused company that is actually a pleasure to work for, I guess. Grace went through a pretty major transformation going from being a holding company. We had a cruise line at one time. We had animal animal husbandry. And as we evolved over those 135-ish years, focused on Chemistry on refining technologies, material technologies, and specialty catalysts, and really put together a strategy and a focus to be able to deliver to our customers. After we spun out, I think it's about seven years ago now, spun out the construction business, we really became a pure play business, I guess you could say. And the leadership that we've had and still, you know, the leadership that we have has just been fantastic and a growth. Company that has a lot of potential in the future.
1: Awesome. Well, and obviously, some other companies think so as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, you've been there with Grace now for two years. And I think always when you come into a leadership role, there's an opportunity to really leave your mark. So, what strategic pivots have you led Grace and maybe the specialty catalyst business through since you've been there?
2: You know, starting in. About 2013, Gray started to make some acquisitions and over the course of 2013 to 2018, made acquisitions totaling about $1.2 billion. We were doing well, reporting good profitability and good growth. So when I came in, what I have done historically has been come into businesses that are performing well and have them have that breakthrough. And so there's a, a playbook that I've used at least two times before in my recent past that is the same and that I'm applying at Grace. First and foremost, figure out what you're really good at. And the team that I have at Grace knows what we're good at. But what we didn't have was a team that was really working well together. We had have a licensing business. That was almost pushed off to the side, and we didn't think about that 40 year relationship that we have with our customers. And so, one of the first things that we did was bring them back into the fold and think about how is it that we can really leverage the skill sets and the expertise and what our customers really want from us more together. We then took a step back and said, Who do we want to be in the future? And we actually call it our back from the future exercise. And so team, my whole leadership team, R&D, sales, HR, finance, licensing, everybody got together and we said, who are we going to be in the future? And then sat back and said, how do we get there? Because often you can have a strategy, you can have a vision. But if you're not thinking about what is it that you need to do every single day to deliver it? You're not going to make the progress that you need. Absolutely. And so I think really the job of any leader is to make sure that you're getting the best out of the people and the skill set that you have. And I was fortunate in, in coming in to lead a team that really strong competencies, technical knowledge, and just needed to figure out how they could understand their interdependencies and then deliver that value back to our customers and that we could benefit from that value as well. So it's been a lot of work, a lot of change, doing what you said you were going to do, hold people accountable. And that's really been what we've been focused on over the course of the last two years. Interesting,
1: that's awesome. So from an external point of view, what would people maybe recognize as some
2: of those changes, if anything? Yeah, I think that there's a couple right that come to mind right away. First, just how we're engaging with our customers. I think that historically, we had behaved that doing everything that our customers wanted was actually delivering them the most value. You feel responsive. You feel like you're giving them everything they need. But what they really want, and the difference they've probably seen from us over the course of the last little while, is that we're really listening to them and understanding what they need and then proposing fewer alternatives because of our expertise. Right? We have expertise in polyolefins broader almost than anybody. And then coming back to them and saying, here's what we believe is best for you. So that engagement with our customers of one, listening better as opposed to just telling them there's a whole bunch of things we could do for them, would be probably the biggest difference that they've seen from us. And then collaboratively working on what should we do that would be custom and what is it that we should suggest to them they don't need? to be custom in the way that they're thinking. And so more collaboration, and probably as my mother would say, we've put our listening ears on more. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good
1: thing. Having your listening ears on is a good thing. Absolutely. So 2020 and, and even now into 2021 have been unprecedented years in so many ways with the pandemic, with just the changing global business requirements, et cetera. How has that played out for you at Grace? I mean, what are you seeing with your customers, with your business, when you look at what's the events of 2020 and even now into
2: 2021? Yeah, sadly, going into 2021. I think that we realized that we could do a lot more of this. We could do a lot more on video and we could engage with them differently. I think if I look back to March of 2020, when many of our employees When to go work from home, we still had a considerable number of employees that were in the plants producing the catalysts that our customers needed. So one of the first things that we did was ensure that we could still safely deliver the catalyst. And I'm proud to say that from what we focused on and what we did right off the bat, safely delivering to our customers and that we were able to continue that. The next thing is we really took it, especially in the second quarter of last year, An opportunity to take a step back as a team together and really understand what our customers needed. We had more time, right? Things were slower. We were all at home. We were able to engage more. And so we spent that time really focused on what do our customers need from us? And then set up very quickly, we pivoted to having pretty significant either supplier review meetings or in the case of licensing our TechX had it remotely online with even bigger attendance or, or larger numbers of people there than we had had before. And so we realized that although traveling around is really important and there are times where you just need to get into the plant and you need to be able to help them with their efficiencies there, we could do a lot of it online. And it has fundamentally changed how we engage. I mean, there's some late nights when we're on Zoom or Teams and There's some meetings that have 50, 60 people at them, but we've learned that there's ways that we can technologically engage with our customers that still has a great return for both of us. So I think that's probably one of the biggest is that we can engage differently and still be really efficient with our customers. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's been one of the things
1: the pandemic has highlighted that everybody working from home far more technology far more video conferencing on various platforms and it will be interesting as we start coming out of this and marketplaces start reopening businesses start inviting people back into the office just what's going to happen right so there's an element and i've seen it myself and i've talked to people you know you kind of miss getting on an airplane to go see your customers on the other hand Through the wonders of the technology we have today, you can still see your customers, maybe not sharing a meal with them, but certainly sharing a conversation and getting that engagement. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what we take out of it going forward when we get back to normal, whatever normal is. Yes,
2: whatever normal is. Our technical teams have done trials on video with technology experts in the office and somebody with a phone and a camera in the plant. Helping out, we would have never thought that we could have done that before. Would never have considered it. No. <laughs> awesome. So there's a lot of different
1: things going on in the chemical industry. And, you know, when we look at some of the key trends in the industry in 21, it's things like digitalization, sustainability, geopolitics. What do you see as the most significant for Grace um, and how you're responding to those trends and how they affect your markets and customers?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Victoria. I think, first, if I think about sustainability, that most certainly, given that there are laws that are changing and evolving probably more quickly than any of us would have thought. And so we are engaging more directly with our customers, whether it's on the circular economy, on recyclability, on ingredients that go, you know, our catalysts going into any resin. What are the drivers that have changed and how do we need to be able to address that for our customers from a standpoint of changing some of the composition of those resins, whether or not there are phthalates or aromatics in general, what does that mean and how do we need to be able to participate? For the recyclability, what can we do as a a specialty catalyst company help with that recyclability? in the future? How does our process technology reduce emissions? Those are the things that we're thinking about and talking about a lot more and that are becoming increasingly important that we work collaboratively with resin producers, with converters to understand what some of those obligations and and needs are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, definitely as a uh, large polyolefin catalyst supplier, perhaps the largest, your future is closely tied to the future of your customers these polyethylene and polypropylene producers. In fact, you guys have recently joined
2: ACC's plastics division, is that right? We have. We're pretty excited about this. We were the one of the first to join this new what they call value chain group and we've been involved with ACC for years. And but I think that this is a really big step both for that group and for our customers and and the resin producers that we get engaged to really hear early on. Because as many people probably know, you don't just develop a new catalyst overnight. So how how do we make sure that we really are addressing what's needed? So we're really excited to be one of the first to join that group and get more involved. That's awesome. That's exciting. So Laura,
1: you've been a leader in the industry for a long time. How do you see your role? Do you know, what principles do you bring to leadership as you lead teams and lead businesses especially through transformative times?
2: I think my role is get the things out of the way that I can get out of the way and galvanize the team to do what they don't think is possible to be done. And it it really is What I try to live by is that I should not be a hindrance to their innovation, their creativity, opportunities that they bring. And I got to make sure that I get the stuff out of the way, even if it's some of their own thinking, (laughs) get some of their own thinking that is hindering their creativity or their ability to get something done. And I think as a leader, that's what we have to do is get the best out of your team (laughs) and get stuff out of the way. Yeah, makes sense. So you're also on the
1: board of Payson Systems. First of all, congratulations. There's not that, you know, you're one of a short list of women that are on public company boards. So well done. Thank you. How does your board experience influence your leadership and business decisions?
2: When I think about my fiduciary duty and my obligations to the shareholders of Payson, It really makes me take a step back and ensure that I am one, listening to the other expertise in the room who are also representing those shareholders, challenging the management on their strategy and and whether or not they're thinking about things broadly enough. And I take a lot of that, those experiences back into when I'm running the business of specialty catalyst, because listening. And not just driving for action is really part of what a board has to do. And the fiduciary duty that you feel on a board is sometimes daunting. (laughs) And taking that into my day-to-day business, I think has given me more critical thinking, broadened my perspective a little bit, and thought about how to work with my peers in a way that I can leverage their skill set into my business as well. And I think that's probably it. All of those things that you have to do on a board. And I'm really fortunate the board that I'm on has some very experienced board members and just a group of really nice people. So I quite enjoy the experience, but taking it back into not just driving for results and execution, but thinking a bit more long-term and strategically and the implications of those decisions that you're driving. Excellent. That's awesome.
1: So, you know, one of the fun facts that was shared with me about you is that you're gradually writing a book, truly or facetiously, Stay in the Van Unless It's on Fire. What's the story there? That is the
2: title. The story of Stay in the Van Unless It's on Fire can be applied to so many things. But It came up on a trip to Basra, Iraq, that I had to take. And when I was running the drill bits and services business for Halliburton, which was one of my previous roles, our CEO at the time, we had just gone into, Halliburton had just set up in in Iraq as Iraq was starting to open up. And his view was, if we're going to have a big group of people there, we need to make sure that the leadership has been there. And which... I admired, right? We needed to see the environment that those people were going to be working under and the opportunity. And it was a really inspirational trip, actually. When we arrived in Basra Airport and we were picked up by our security service, there were three or four of us. We had a safety briefing. And in the safety briefing, we got into the van, looked like a hotel pickup van, except that it was armored. And We were sent over to one car first, and in the back were our Keflar vests that we had to put on, which was the first sobering moment to being transported to where you were going to sleep in a Keflar vest. So we got into the van, and he was giving our safety briefing, and it went along these lines. There's a lead car ahead of us. There's a duplicate van behind us that's empty. You're in this van. If anything happens, stay in the van. I'll get you out. You know, he said, so don't worry, it's going to take us anywhere from 20 minutes to 45 minutes to get to the compound, depending on how the roads are. And it was nighttime. And he said, so just remember, stay in the van unless it's on fire. And that was the safety moment. And I thought that's sage advice. But if I think about it as a sort of summary of the challenges of often being the only woman at the table, Some of the, I've lived in Venezuela, I've lived in, I've traveled through Africa with work. And when I think about it, there's usually a reason to keep going. There's usually a reason to just continue to try and not get too discouraged. And, but there are times when you do have to pull the plug. And there are times when you have to decide that it's either not right for you, the situation. So I think that it is for all of us, whether it's, you know, your need for resilience or determination or to keep trying if something doesn't go right the exact first time. Always remember, there is a time you have to <laughs> you have to pull the plug. But then that's why I think it works both ways, both in the inspirational trip with the people who were there that I met, who worked there all the time, the Iraqis and the foreigners, and then just that whole trip and the experience. So... I hope to finish it one day.
1: <laughs> well, you know, when you're retirement or your copious
2: free time, whatever that might be. <laughs> That's right. I think retirement will probably, hopefully the two will be connected, retirement and copious free time.
1: You've been busy. I know it's been a busy year for you with everything going on. What do you do for fun? Is there fun outside of work
2: or is it all work all the time? No, I am. And I hope my team will back me up on this. I believe you've got to turn off. You've got to turn off your computer. And if you're fortunate enough to have a space that's your dedicated office, you've got to shut the door and, and, and get out. I try very hard not to work on the weekend. I usually don't succeed all the time. I try not to be on my phone and my email at night because if people see that from me, they're going to think that that's what's expected. Absolutely. It is part of the culture at Grace is that you don't need to be on all the time. I find even from my boss, I'll get a bunch of emails Monday morning because he might have written them during the weekend, but he doesn't send them till Monday morning for that very reason. Sets the right tone. So in those times off, so we can, there's COVID and before COVID in the COVID time, my husband and I have taken to walking a lot. We've done some. Great walks. And in Maryland, where we live, there's some great scenery to do pretty significant walks. So we try to do about 10 miles every weekend on different paths and and walking around and just getting out. We have cooked differently through COVID at home because we're never going out. And so those things have been really fun. Separate and apart, James and I love to travel, even with all the travel I do from work we love to travel. And so we try to go on trips short and long, but just experience new places, new cultures, and being fairly new to the Northeast. I've really enjoyed, there's a bunch of stuff you can do up here that's historic as well. So just getting out, spending time with my husband, my whole family's up in Canada, so I haven't seen them for a while. So that'll probably be one of the first things I do once we can travel a little more freely.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that most people have said is that they are just looking forward to the travel. Even as a frequent business traveler, at some point you feel like, my gosh, it's such a grind. But all of a sudden you're like, boy, I haven't left. <laughs> and I'd really like to get on an airplane and use my passport
2: and you know, see a different
1: place. So we'll get there eventually.
2: I know I have to find my passport. I'm hoping I can still find it. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Laura, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. If people wanted to find you, how can they get in connection with you or
2: with Grace? A couple of different ways. On our website, there's ways to get in touch with our brand new website, actually, that we just launched. That you can find out any additional information on any of our particular products. And then uh, happy to take any questions or calls on my email at grace, which is laura.schwin at grace.com. Fabulous.
1: Thank you, Laura. Thanks for joining The Chemical Show.
2: Thanks, Victoria. It's great being here. Cheers.
0: We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.